This is Cross Hope with Randy Snyder. Cross Hope is broadcast daily and shares five minutes of hope and encouragement from the Word of God. Our companion website is www.crosshope.org. Now with today's uplifting message, here's Randy. Two little girls, true story, where the older daughter, both were elementary, young elementary age, was quite cruel to her younger sister and would say things like, you're getting uglier every day. You're getting uglier every day. And in, in some of you say, well, I had a sister like that. I had a brother like that. And maybe you did. But I thought what the grandmother did, she didn't have a big confab or confrontation. She didn't lay down the law and say, that's it. We're not going to do that. She said one thing that stopped that particular behavior. You know what she did? She had the two girls together. And she said to the younger one, you know, sweetheart, every day you're looking more like your older sister. Every day you're looking more like your older sister. That stopped it. The older girl looked up and thought, what did you just say? And it stopped the behavior in that particular area. What would the Lord need to speak to you today? And, I, and I'm serious about that. What would the still small voice of the Lord need to say to you that would grab your attention? And I believe the Lord does do that through His Word and so forth and so on. Well, Betty Fussell, F-U-S-S-L-E, like Russell with an F, was 82-year-old woman who described herself as this way. I'm 82 years old and I'm half blind. Her son who lived in Montana, she lived in New York, but her son who lived in Montana said, Mom, I want you to come out here and I'm going to take you hunting. And you're going to learn to shoot a gun and so forth. So she took lessons with a 22 caliber rifle in New York, learned how to shoot that. When she got out to Montana, her son said, you got a 270 rifle that's a little bigger than a 22 caliber. 270 Winchester, I think, is how he described it. And they spent five days hunting deer. On the fifth day, Betty Fussell got her deer. But I told you all of that story just to tell you what came up in terms of the prayer. When they had the meal together where they were eating the dinner, Betty Fussell prayed a prayer that her grandfather prayed many, many times. And here was the prayer. Lord, bless this food to our use. And Lord, bless us to thy service. Bless this food to our use and bless us, Lord, to thy service. And the person who told the story said, what would happen if you and I really believe that we are all are in the service of the king? We are. You say, well, that's for a special group of people. No, it's not. It's for all of us. And I'm going to begin a series, though, from the first chapter of Jeremiah that's going to speak to you today about what God may be doing or is not doing in your life. Jeremiah is called the weeping prophet. Can you imagine God called him to preach condemnation on the southern kingdom headquartered in Jerusalem. Can you imagine that was your ministry to call down punishment from God because of their disobedience? 
I think it was a very depressing position for him to have. I don't think he had very many friends, if any, because of what he was called to. It goes like this in verse 4. The word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Listen to that again. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. That offends some people in our culture immediately. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And if I have to explain it to you, you're up too late. It goes like this in verse 4. The word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Listen to that again. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. That offends some people in our culture immediately. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And if I have to explain it to you, you're up too late. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Alas, sovereign Lord, I said, I don't know how to speak. I'm too young. But the Lord said to me, do not say, I am too young. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, I have put my words in your mouth. Verse 16, I will pronounce my judgments on my people because of their wickedness in forsaking me. I want you to notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say because of their wickedness in committing murder. It doesn't say that. Doesn't say in their wickedness in robbing people. Doesn't say that. Doesn't say immoral behavior. It just says in forsaking me. Forsaking me. Forsaking the Lord. In burning incense to other gods. In worshiping what their hands have made. I want to talk to you about your relationship to the Lord. And I begin with a story about a grandfather with his grandson out in the woods, and they're, they're taking the typical walk in the woods. And the grandfather wanted to test the son's knowledge of geography and, and where he was, a sense of direction. And he said, which way is it to town? And the boy said, I don't know. Well, how do you get back to the cabin where we're staying? I don't know. Well, where are we heading now? I don't know, Grandpa. If you don't know where you are, son, then you're lost, the grandpa said to the boy. But the boy replied, no, I'm not lost. I'm with you. I'm not lost. I'm with you. People in the United States of America need to make the decision who they're with, including you, including me. Who are you with spiritually? If there ever was a time in our country where we need to make some decisions like that, who am I with? Whose side am I on? I'm with the Lord. And God is with me, and that's what Jeremiah finds out from the Lord. When the word of the Lord came to him, in verse 4, the word of the Lord came to me. I don't want to be presumptuous. I don't want to sound arrogant. I don't want to sound brash, whatever word there is. But I'd like to think that every time I speak, somebody gets the word from the Lord. You say, how arrogant? No, it's the power of the word of God. It has nothing to do with me. I reminded somebody recently, I said, we're on the radio now 30 times a week. And they didn't know that. They're 15 times here in, in Dayton, Cincinnati, 10 times in Washington, D.C. And 
five times on XM Sirius. And so every time I speak 30 times a week, I think the word of the Lord comes to somebody. Every time we speak here, the word of the Lord comes to somebody. In verse 5, one of the most interesting, powerful verses in all of the Bible is right here in verse 5. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. What's that verse say? God had an awareness of you long before you had any self-awareness. Listen to that again. God had an awareness of you long before you had any self-awareness. What's that verse say? God had an awareness of you long before you had any self-awareness. Listen to that again. God had an awareness of you long before you had any self-awareness. I remember talking to a pediatrician once, and he was talking about babies come to the place, I think he said three or four months old, where they begin to share a social smile. When a baby smiles for the first time, and that's a thrilling moment for a parent. I did it last Thursday, but that's, no, I'm just kidding. It's the, when a baby smiles for the first time. And he was telling me that babies, when they're born, I'd never heard of this, think they're an extension of their mother. And then they get to the place at a certain age where they realize, hey, that's my hand. I can do things with that hand. And they have an awareness, a self-awareness about themselves. And I just love this verse that the Lord says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. God had an awareness of you long before you had an awareness of him. And Jeremiah in verse 6 says this, Sovereign Lord, which means he's in control, I said, I do not know how to speak. I am too young. And some people think that he probably was a young man. He might have been 18 to 20. He wasn't a child. He was a young man. And he said, I, I don't know how to speak. And I want you to notice what the Lord says to him in verse 7. But the Lord said to me, don't say I'm too young. You must go to everyone I send you to to say whatever I command you. God gives the capacity to people to do what they think they can't do. Listen to that again. God will give the capacity to people who say, I can't do that. Yeah, you can, because God's going to give you the capacity to do it. Have you ever said something in a conversation and later you said, where did that come from? I've never said anything like that. It's a powerful thing. It wasn't bad or profanity. And the Lord used you to speak truth to some person. God used you to speak a word from him to someone else. Don't be afraid of them, verse 8. For I am with you, and I will rescue you, declares the Lord. Now I want to speak about verse 9. This is really interesting. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, Now I have put my words in your mouth. Have you ever accused somebody of putting words in your mouth? I didn't say that. You're putting words in my mouth. We use that in a derogatory way. Guess what? The Lord says, I'll put words in your mouth anytime I want to. I'll give you the words to say. And whenever you're afraid to speak to a loved one, 
even when you're hesitant to say, I love you? Did you know the Lord can prompt you to tell somebody, I love you? He's capable of doing that? I'm going to focus most of my time on verse 16. I will pronounce my judgments on my people because of their wickedness in forsaking me, in burning incense to gods, with a small g, and in worshiping what their hands have made. You say, I don't burn incense to a pagan god. Have you ever burned time? Yeah. We all know what it's like to burn time. Have you ever wasted a day with somebody and said, well, I wasted a half a day with my brother-in-law or my sister-in-law. I wasted a third of a day with him or with her. And we understand that terminology. And that's what it means. These people were burning incense. They were giving part of their lives and their devotion to that which they loved, which was a pagan deity. And it's all because of their wickedness in forsaking me. The word forsaking means to let go. Don't raise your hands. But some of you have let go of a relationship in the last year. And you know what I mean. A friendship that used to be friends with him or her. And you've let go with that relationship. That's called forsaking. You have forsaken a relationship. There may have been a work association, and you've forsaken that. You've let it go. Doesn't mean you're necessarily bad or evil, but that's just what's happened. And all I'm saying is you understand what it means to let go of a physical, earthly relationship. Don't ever do that with the Lord God Almighty. Don't ever come to the place in your life when you say, I'm going to let go of my relationship with the Lord. They don't do this anymore, but it used to be when you'd go to hospitals, and you, some of you will remember this years ago, they would ask you when you were filling out the paperwork for your religious preference. You know, what's your religious belief? And, and you know, are you Catholic? Are you Protestant? Are you Jewish? What are you? And they would note that down, your religious preference. And, and the thought occurred to me one day, Jesus isn't a preference. It's not a preference like, yeah, I like cream in my coffee and I prefer cheese on my hamburger. That's a preference. Jesus is Lord. He's the Lord of your life and the Lord of the heaven and earth. And so when people say, what's your religious preference like they used to, it's totally different. It's, he's not a preference. He's the Lord of my life. Idolatry is not what it used to be. We don't worship gods of stone and gods of metal that we bow down to, but we can still have idolatry in our lives. Idolatry is very real. I want you to notice something, that this passage speaks about life. If you're ever in a discussion with a person about the subject of abortion, here's a scripture, a reference point. Jeremiah 1, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Isn't that amazing? Before I even formed you, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. God's awareness of me and God's awareness of you is fundamentally important, get this, to who you are as a person. You're special to God because he made you. 
you know, Max Lucado talked about a sweater that he had in his book, Applause of Heaven. He talks about a sweater that hanged in his closet. He seldom wore it. It was too small. The sleeves were too short. The shoulders too tight. And some of the buttons were missing. The threads were frazzled. But he said, I can never throw that sweater away. You say, why? His mom made it. His mother made it for him, and he said, it's special, not because of what it is, it's special because of who made it. And I want you to know that the reason we look at life and say it's special is not because it's special, it's because of the one who made it. God takes responsibility for every life in this passage of Scripture, and that offends people. Oh, this passage of Scripture, I have brought it up to people in conversation, and you just see the steam coming out of their ears, the anger that it produces. And yet, it's the truth of God. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. Would it interest you at all to know what God's purpose is for your life? What would happen in your life if you believed that God intended you not only to be, but to do? God not only intended you to be, to exist, but to do something for Him as His servant. That could change the way you live. It could change the way you live. I'm going to tell you a story in closing today that really made an impact on my life to hear this. And you know what it's about? This is going to surprise you. It's about something that happened at a fast food restaurant called Captain D's. Anybody been there willing to admit it? It's a great story told by a retired minister. Name is Rick Crandall. Talks about pulling up in the parking lot of Captain D's in his town, wherever that is. He said, I had a moment with the Lord. God Almighty, in the parking lot of Captain D's. Here's the story. He said, I was going into the restaurant at the exact same time that a young mother was coming out with her tiny baby in her arms. He said, I could tell this was a newborn or maybe a month old at the most. You know the picture I'm conveying. When I was about 10 or 12 feet away, the mom tripped over the concrete curb in front of her car. She was falling straight forward with that little baby in her arms. It seemed to happen in slow motion. I understood when he said that because I've seen things like that. I was too far away, even though I yelled and I put my hand out, but I was too far away. And it looked like the worst possible thing was about to happen. But then he said, I was astounded to see this ordinary mother whirl around like a cat in midair, and fall flat on her back to protect her baby. The problem was this, she had no way to protect herself. And so she fell flat on her back on the parking lot, and her body took the brunt of that hit. And the baby was fine. They checked the baby out, and the baby was fine. Now here's what Rick Crandall says. She took the fall. She slammed into that parking lot. She took the full force of the fall to protect her baby. 
Then he said, this is what Jesus did for us on the cross. And that's what this message is about. The God that we believe in, the God we know, is the God that has a plan for your life. And here's my point. If God says he had an awareness of you before you were even born, before you were formed in the womb, why would you be cavalier to say, I don't matter. My life doesn't matter. Who told you that? Satan told you that. The liar from the pit of hell told you that you do matter. And that's why Betty Fussell said we could pray that prayer. Lord, bless this food to our use. And bless us as your servants to be used by you. God created you for a purpose. God has a plan. You say, well, I'm up in years. God has a plan for you. Well, I'm young. God has a plan for you. Well, I'm middle-aged. God has a plan for you. Well, I'm pushing 70 or 80. God has a plan for you. It doesn't matter. God has a plan for your life. Get this. For today. T-O-D-A-Y. Today. Let him use you. And let him bless you. And he will. Because he's God. Well, this message can be heard again by going to our website, crosshope.org. That's crosshope.org. You've been listening to Cross Hope with Randy Snyder. For more information about this ministry or to re-listen to any message heard on this broadcast, go to our website at crosshope.org. Be sure to join us at this same time each weekday or listen at www.crosshope.org. Cross Hope is listener-supported and is produced by Cross Hope Ministries, Incorporated.